And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology, host of today's episode of Startup Hustle. I'm covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship, um, I have another uh, international guest today. He's staying up. I think it's 1130 over there. Uh, so he's staying up late for, for today's episode. I'm super stoked to have him on the show. Um, before we get started and I introduce today's guest, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Chatdesk. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Chatdesk. Does your business receive a high volume of phone calls? You can deflect over 10% of your calls to Facebook Messenger and save up to 80% on your support costs by using Chatdesk. We have a special offer for Startup Hustle listeners. It's free for a limited time. Learn more at chatdesk.com or click the link in our show notes. I'll have all of that down there. Um, a lot of people trying to scale, and we're talking about process today. So Chatdesk is one of those things where it can help you with your customer service. Um, there's so many options out there when it comes to process, and we're going to dig into that. Uh, as someone that's currently trying to improve a lot of processes in my own business, um, and I'm actually talking to Yoni and the company he's going to represent today about helping us do that. Um, so we're going to get into that right away. Yoni, welcome to the show. It's really nice to have you. Um, we, we've connected several times. We've, we're already biz diving, so I feel like we're kind of friends. I, I knew this episode would be an easy one for me. Um, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Mate, it is an absolute honor and a pleasure to be here sitting with you and sharing the stage. So thanks for having me. No, of course. So um, I like to do a little bit of, of a hero story. We can't take the whole time because I really want to get into some of these tips around process. Um, and, and I went a little long last time. So I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta stick to the script a little bit. Um, but, you know, how did you get to a point where I like to know a little bit of the origin because how did you get to a point to even be able to teach others or explain business process to others? There had to be some kind of lessons ahead of that. You're an Australian, uh, an Australian guy living in Israel. Um, you know, there's a lot of story there, uh, as, as well as your partners, um, and how you guys connected, give, give me kind of start at the beginning. You're, you're in e-commerce, uh, you're doing a lot of things. Where'd you get started? Like chasing this dream, this entrepreneurial thing. Um, where did, where did it all get started? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to try and keep it brief as well. Cause I'm also eager to add value and teach people about all things process. Cause it's critical for any successful entrepreneur moving into that next stage. You start to think about process and how do you actually maximize your time and output. But my story begins back in Australia. Like you, you so graciously shared, I, hopefully people can understand me, but that's the first thing. Well, I was we thinking a... immediately, like, this will probably be my, my most listened to episode just because of your accent. So I'm really going to let you know uh, after we publish this episode, like how our numbers are doing. Um, the Australian accent, at least where I'm at in Kansas City, is like the women go crazy. So I'm hoping we get some extra listens. It's kind of like having a baby in your Instagram photo. You know, you just do better. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it works. Uh, hopefully it works for you. And hopefully I can add value, like I said. So my story began in Australia. I got effectively into the space, similar to Marknology. I 
grew up in creative advertising and digital marketing. So my background is heavily uh, reliant or was, was created on everything that was web development, design, SEO, content strategy, production. I used to do strategy work for the likes of Sony, MasterCard, Mercedes-Benz, Medtronic, uh, you know, some some relatively large household names in Australia. So this like out of school, you just went into kind of like digital marketing. Was it directly from school? Was it like while you're in school, you started doing that? Let's get, share a little bit of that with me. Ah, you, you want the, the, you want the full story here. Well, I'll tell you uh, my, my story didn't, I think like most entrepreneurs and, you know, I, I don't know where you actually define the start of the entrepreneurial journey. I would argue, you know, for a lot of people, they say, you know, I just started my first business and this is, you know, I'm taking that leap. But realistically, all of the framework of taking that leap starts from the learnings that you acquire while going mm. through the process of growing your career. So, you know, I would argue that every time that you're trying something new, every time you're trying to figure something out, even when you're an employee in another business, you know, that is the entrepreneurial spirit. And for me, I, I found my way into headhunting, actually. That was my very first job out of college. Okay. And, you know, I actually, ironically, um, I wanted to move to Israel. And my parents said, listen, before you go, what you got to do is you've got to make some money. You know, make some money, see how you go. And, you know, I think once you, you take those first, uh, you dip your toes in and you start making some real money, you start to obviously think, wow, I can really provide for myself i can do some real things here so you know it actually deferred me about 10 years before i made my way out here um but i was a headhunter so but I that, was... that led to your next business which we'll get to or one of the businesses uh, i believe in in regards to the headhunting piece but i'll save that for later i don't want to ruin the story uh so those 10 years it wasn't a 10-year delay it was more like a 10-year training course yeah, yeah. I mean, well put. Absolutely. So, so the headhunting, I'll be honest with you, I hate it. I absolutely hated it. I, I was headhunting for, for IT roles and it, for me, was selling the opportunity to the person and the person to the opportunity. It's like dealing flesh. Um, it didn't feel very authentic to me. And I was, I mean, back then you wouldn't have called it an incubator, but I was effectively working inside of an incubator. So they were an established business, but there was about 16 other companies around. And one of them was actually uh, like a, a web design agency. And so I really, I found I'd studied marketing, but you know, I found my way into headhunting and I found myself always gravitating towards what they were working on, you know, the designs they were working on, sitting with clients, working through that creative process. And, you know, I just gravitated toward it. And it got to a point actually where I was sitting and waiting. And this is back in 2008 2009 i was waiting for about thirty thousand dollars of commissions that's how headhunting works when someone sits in the role for three months that's when you get paid sort of your bonus and i took the option to give up that commission which would have you know seriously been life-changing at that point uh in my career and and life uh, and it's a lot of money even today to to get paid out um to take an unpaid internship at a at a digital agency and wow. Okay. And, that's why so I that, asked the questions. That's why I asked the questions, Yoni, because that's gold. I mean, that's why you're the host, mate. <laughs> you got the good stuff there. Okay. So you pass on $30,000 to take an unpaid internship at a digital marketing company that's under the umbrella of the other company you're working with, right? Theoretically. So, so, so it was actually, that was the catalyst, but the company that I worked for was outside of that okay. umbrella company. Um, they were the ones who really gave me the inspiration. And, you know, I think when you talk about being an entrepreneur and, and 
trying to work and find your place in business, so much of it is about trial and error and trying to understand where you fit. And I think that, you know, that was an amazing experience for me to, to be around something that felt like a right fit. And, you know, I took the leap and I said, you know, I mean, I was, I was probably 20 at the time, you know, I, I didn't need to be in a position where I hated my career and I hated my life. You know, I was really at the start of it. And so, yeah, I took, took that leap and these guys took a gamble on me. And I mean, it was a pretty crazy uh, experience. If, if I'm honest, when I started working with them, they just pitched and won Mercedes Benz uh, as a client. Okay. And the account manager, the, the account director and the account managers were both let go. And so when I joined, as we'd won the account, there was no one to work the account. So the managing director and I were placed on this account. I had no experience. And this was back in the time where there wasn't social media for brands. So mm -hmm. I was actually part of the team that launched Mercedes-Benz, Australia, New Zealand's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Pinterest, every social channel that they have today. Um, and for a period of time, I was the largest Facebook media buyer in the country, in Australia. I think wow. we were spent, <laughs> yeah, you say, well, you won't, you won't believe how much money we were spending. It was insane, mate. Have a guess. In Australia, Facebook ads, Instagram 2010. ads. 2010. I think at the biggest, as the biggest advertiser, I think you were under five grand a month. <laughs> so so we were we were more than that but that's okay. a really great guess we were spending 30,000 we're spending about 30,000 a month which okay. you know when you when you put that into perspective like we were blowing past anyone I used to have my favorite time of year was Grand Prix in Melbourne where I'm from mm -hmm. and and I don't really you know I'm not a, a big F1 guy but I used to have Mercedes-Benz and Facebook effectively fighting for who's going to take me to the Grand Prix so you know Felt like, uh, felt pretty lucky. Let's, let's no, put it that way. That's amazing. And like, you know, I can relate to that a little bit. Not the, not them fighting over me. Definitely not. Uh, but the, when I launched my first brand on Amazon Australia, I honestly, for months, kept, um, kept messaging Amazon and pinging them and pushing them. Uh, I, I thought the advertising was broken because the clicks and impressions and everything was just so, so cheap and affordable, I guess is the word I should be looking for or cost effective that I, I legit thought that I wasn't getting enough clicks and, and impressions and things like that because the platform was so new. And that's why I guessed low. And, and as well as, um, you know, 2010, 2011, I don't know exactly what year that was, but, um, at least in the US, like depending on what category you were in and things like that. So you could get Facebook clicks for for pennies on the dollar. Um, so it was just a crazy time for for e commerce brands that knew those new channels and, and how to use the advertising platform. Um, but learning it from the ground up, I definitely haven't worked with anyone like Mercedes, but there's a sense of pride um, around even some of the brands we work with being like, you know, I see them in a target or I see them at a home Depot or I see them in Mexico city in a grocery store. And I'm just like, yeah, I took that brand to e-commerce. Like I took them from, from brick and mortar to e-commerce and whether they're with me or not, it's, um, it feels like you're kind of a pioneer, you know, and I know that feeling and it's intoxicating. And it's why I've, I've fell in, I've fallen in love with e-commerce, uh, was just that ability to, create something new that didn't exist before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is something absolutely rewarding with 
you know, with that whole process. I mean, for me, when I used to spend a couple of days a week at the Mercedes Benz office and effectively battle with legal, trying to explain that being on Facebook wasn't going to destroy the brand and that it was safe. And, you know, if we weren't there, then we'd be left behind. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a, a really cool experience. I mean, I'm talking about it literally more than 10 years on. So it just sort of goes to show uh, what it meant back then and, and sort of the impact. I mean, you know, uh, I'd say another thing that was a really um, eye-opening or maybe just a, an experience that was a, a little bit uh, surreal was when I was working with Sony and Snapchat when I was living in Los Angeles. And we did the first ever Discover uh, channel. If you remember on Snapchat, they used to have those little Discover mm -hmm. channels at the top, kind of like how Instagram does it. So we launched the first one for one of the James Bond movies, Spectre. And mm -hmm. so I actually produced with, with my team, like all of the vertical cut um, designs and the GIFs and animations. And, you know, we vertically cut the videos and it was this whole sort of eight week production for what was a 24 hour uh, experience. And I don't know how much was invested in the actual media by itself, but I mean, that was really cool to be at first, you know, when you see it written up in TechCrunch and Mashable and, you know, just about everywhere. It was, uh, yeah, it was, that was pretty special too. One thing I would say, um, one huge, that's huge to be the first. And, and that's how I felt in a big way. And I still, whether people were doing Amazon or not, I didn't know of them. I was in a silo. So I felt like I was alone, right? I felt like I was the first discovering these things. I wasn't reading about them. I wasn't in Facebook groups. I wasn't having Gary V or my mentor or my boss telling me to do these things or focus on these things. I was just curious, professional curiosity. And uh, I knew that I could, I'm a proactive person. So I knew that I could do these things and get better and optimize and sell more shit. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was putting car parts up for the first time. It was, um, <clears throat> you know, some of those things like, oh, this hasn't been done before. Uh, steaks on dry ice haven't been on Amazon or, uh, you know, this hasn't, that's okay. Like, you know, 23 and me has done it. Like, how can we do it like they did? Or, um, you know, some of those things and where we're at as a brand marknology, we got our start, not with the big brands. Uh, you know, we got our start with the small private label brands on Upwork or private label entrepreneurs that were paying me 200 a month to manage their stores way back then. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was just getting paid to learn is what, how I felt. Um, even way back then it was like a side hustle. So it was like, okay, I'm just getting paid to like do some Amazon stuff. That's kind of cool. Um, but I also feel like we're just now getting to the point where we have some really big influencers, like, uh, you know, under the brands we work with, like some massive ones. Um, and it's like, we learned and sharpened our teeth on the hard ones, uh, like with no budget and nothing to do. And so it's like, oh my God, we're getting these big ones and you can see the power and potential of an off Amazon, like TikTok swipe up or something. And you're just like, oh my God, this is making the game easier again. Um, so like that experience, we, we've kind of flip-flopped how, how we went, but I, I'm sure that that early exposure to how the big brands were doing it, um, even if you had to scale that down to what a small brand should do was invaluable experience. So you turned down yeah. 30K, but- look look where you were within a short time yeah and, and i think uh, to your point you know that that's exactly my career throughout you know almost a decade of creative advertising and digital marketing it was always i was in small businesses so i was the 10th employee in that agency that i came and worked for we grew to about 35 in australia and i was the 15th employee in the u.s we grew to about 40 but we're working with you know 
multi-billion dollar multinational companies. And so it was always understanding what scale looked like from the eyes of a small, you know, an SME, a, a startup business effectively. And that was always something that was an interesting challenge. It's like, how do I work through, you know, Medtronic, who's a huge pharmaceutical, um, you know, how do I, how do I, or MedTech, how do I effectively navigate two months worth of content so that I can get approvals in time for them to actually go live, you know? So you have to work backwards and understand, well, what systems do I need to create so that I can, A, come up with enough content strategy to produce it for a two-month period so that I can actually get to the the stages of approval. And it goes through so many levels and layers and red tape. Obviously, for a company like that, they can't afford to say anything even remotely wrong. And if they do, uh, you know, there's potentially lives at risk. No, and I, you know, I've learned some lessons the hard way. I'll kind of tell an embarrassing story um, of, of myself. In my early days, um, <clears throat> I landed the client, the, the parent company, Nylabone. Okay. And they are like, mm -hmm. I know, I know it. Okay. So all the brands underneath them, all of that. Um, and I was ecstatic, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I work with small, I'm getting a brand like Nyla bone. Are you kidding me? Um, and just had a really small team where, where the few of us were doing all of the things. So like helping with graphics, helping with ads, helping with SEO. We didn't have specialists at that time. It wasn't like I had writers. It was me knowing how to do Amazon keyword research, but not being a great SEO writer. And I remember um, getting on a call with that big team and they had 10 writers on the call. Wow. 10 content writers. It was 10. It was insane. I, I literally was just like so intimidated uh, by the big brand. And I knew somehow how big brand stuff works, but I just remember them saying like they were tearing the copy apart. And I, you know, I honestly was just like, hey, guys, like I am. I know that you guys are extremely talented here in the room. I am not a content writer. I just know how Amazon works. So if you guys can just hear me out and understand why I chose these things and then, and then take them back to your parent company. Um, but what made me think of that was, was one, like the few opportunities I had in, in some of the early days to really get a grasp on what big brands think about, um, but also how slow that engagement worked uh, because they were a really big company like that. And I didn't have tons of process. So we would suggest things and then to get the change to happen would be way too long by the time it came back like we it was we missed the bubble there well yeah you're supposed to do that two weeks ago three weeks ago you know you're, you're charging retainer whatever your model is and um the projects aren't moving fast enough and you're trying to explain why and uh you just don't understand how those almost like you know titanic ships uh, of those big brands really move uh, and so we're talking about process here um but in those early days i felt like everything i didn't have uh, maybe like a exact template of how to do Amazon work yet. And so everything felt like a custom solution every single time. Uh, and so creating process almost felt like an impossible undertaking if it was to explain to a team how we do X or how we do Y. And and I'm, I'm much more evolved in business now and understanding some of that. But in those early days as a young entrepreneur, young business owner, um, some of some of those things that maybe a, a bigger brand would just assume are in place uh, seemed like the most uh, daunting thing ever to me. Um, so I didn't mean to take up that much time, but just thinking back to um, creating, I, I'm a creative, uh, you know, and I'm trying to evolve into to what's needed next in a lot of ways. But taking a creative to then think process oriented 
24 seven to, to, to process every part of your business is like asking someone to, um, you know, completely change who they are. And as a leader, it can feel like I'll just do anything to avoid that almost. For sure. Well, I mean, you know, as, as we all evolve and as we go through our unique journey, we also start to understand what are our unique abilities and where do we really excel. And so, you know, I would, like you, I would say I'm more on the creative side than I am on the analytical and process side, but you know, let, it's about... let, let, let's get there. So you, I, I interrupted you, but we were talking about like you were doing digital money and learning, like, how do I get them to make these decisions faster and plan out content two months in advance? So at this, at this point, you're still a creative full. Yeah. Okay. So we'll, let's start there. Yeah, so so uh, like I'll fast forward a little bit to, to sort of the e-commerce game. Um, I left my last agency role back in about 2016, 2017 and, and moved over from Los Angeles to Tel Aviv. And when I got here, um, you know, I went and I effectively met as many creative agencies as I could uh, just to get a feel for like what the space was like here. And what I realized is like I, I'd, I'd played on the biggest stage you know when you look at the united states and sort of the you know the budgets the exposure the what's possible um very few markets on planet earth will live up to that same level I'm and so he's been in formula one and facebook and is that what you mean? Like kind of that yeah, same like, level? Yeah, like, you know, like I, I was doing brand launches into the United States. There was a, a multi-billion dollar milk company called A2 Milk. And, you know, we're given, you know, million two uh, budget on the launch campaigns. And we did TV commercials and we did huge media buys and we did, you know, um, live activations and events. And, you know, it, it was, it, it, it's such a grand scale. And All the bells and whistles. It's also like the complexity, you know, I, I work mostly in strategy. So like those are the things are, that are exciting, you know, how do we solve for, for those problems? And I, I just, I, I realized that A, it wasn't really my path. You know, I firstly, I think it was the moment I found out that I wasn't one to want to become a solopreneur. Uh, I love bouncing ideas off people. I love to have someone complementary skill set to the one that I bring to the table because that's how you divide and conquer and that's how you mm -hmm. achieve a whole lot more. And while I can hire, you know, as many people as I want, and we've hired plenty over the last several years, it's a different reality when you have a partner who is living it day, you know, day to day. And I know you work with your siblings and, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a lot about the, the value and the strength of that relationship and the commitment to each other and knowing that you each have each other's back. And I think, you know, when you pick the right, business partner uh it makes a huge difference and you know it's really life altering but before i got to to where that is um uh realistically i went through and met a couple of guys who i actually made a ba bad decision on what a partner looked like and mm -hmm. so i took all of that knowledge of what it is working with large enterprise businesses from the eyes of a sme to working inside of an amazon business that was doing two million in revenue and what I effectively did was I worked with the team and the original founders to take it from two to 5 million in 12 months. And how I effectively did that was I built an agency for this business with the right processes that we could actually allow and allocate 
the right resources and put professionals on the job rather than trying to sort of figure out every little thing. Like, you know, while I have a good eye for design, I'm not a designer. And mm-hmm. while I can buy media and I understand, you know, I probably spent $20 million plus in, in media over my career for brands and on personal ventures, you know, that's not necessarily where my strength is. So we built out a team. We gave everything the time and attention it needed. That brand was acquired by the first, um, the first big aggregator in the space and the, you know, the pioneering aggregator. And I realized that, you know, in that was a huge opportunity to help a lot of sellers scale their business. And, you know, a lot of people use the term scale, but when I mean scale, I mean, how do I actually put the right people in the right seats and how do I maximize my time and be in my happy place and everyone in the business being their happy place? And how do I build a system that works for me? not and not the other way around and so that's really what we look to bring to market when we talk about what i'm up to now in escala which is a process improvement consulting practice and you know we were talking obviously we've had some great chats but multiply me is our staffing business out of the philippines so you know the idea is how do you bring the tools and resources to founders and e-commerce entrepreneurs who who are there it's just you haven't learned the you haven't learned those critical steps on how to get yourself out of your business. No, and it's something that I've obsessed about for years, honestly, and still have a long way to go. Um, but I guess I had enough wisdom to know that like scaling is where almost everyone fails in every business type that there is. Um, I've seen it over and over and over again, just in my small journey. Um, we can honestly be too successful for brands, scale them too fast, and they fail. Um, you know, it just creates holes. Um, I think you skipped over one thing that I think is important because it's what kind of caused you, I think, to, to, to found the second company was, um, and I'm just privy to knowing some of this from our conversations, but with multiply me, you kind of created multiply me to help people get out of their business and be able to scale and things like that. And understanding how an an Amazon brand works. Um, but it was that people were using, kind of these outsourced VAs um, to to do work, but they weren't, they didn't have the process in front of them to be successful. And so you were, you were like, you were not headhunting, but matching, you know, talent with, with brands that needed it. And it, and it was just like failing or falling short, maybe. Can you share a little bit more there? Because I think that's important to talk about why you were like, okay, you can have VAs, you can have talented people that know how to do things. But if you don't have, this piece it's not going to work long term yeah absolutely so i'd say firstly like there's almost like a rite of passage you know you go through the the virtual assistant the va journey where you know you're always trying to scale your time as you get super busy you know at the start of the business everything's exciting you want to be touching everything you're trying to figure things out break them as quickly as you can so that you can build them better and at some point there's only you know we the great equalizer is we only have 168 hours in the week and how we use that time is is critical to our you know healthy life balance but also our success so i went through that journey i you know i brought on a bunch of vas and it was it was good for a period until i understood that i needed to bring in real professionals rather than trying to limit myself by having to build out those systems so that they would follow instructions where if I was to bring on smarter people than me, and there's plenty of them out there, and a lot of them work with me today, thankfully, I could achieve a whole lot more. So, you know, what happened is when we were building out Multiply Me, 
we had uh, we had a candidate apply for a project management role. Uh, she she was a consultant who'd spent about four or five years at Ernst and Young in the process improvement function in the business, and she just really wanted to work at a startup. She actually applied for two roles before two startups, and that actually failed before she was able to even join the company, <laughs> which which you know Not a surprise. Was, yeah, which is, you know, which happens, right? But uh, we were very fortunate. And when she interviewed me, I said, listen, you're going to be working with us. There's no chance in hell that you'll be working as a digital, you know, a project manager in our marketing team. Like what you bring to the table is so tremendously valuable. So she actually delivered the first ever process improvement project internally. And what I learned in that in that experience was that obviously, you know, we're talking about Ernst and Young here, EY, they're one of the absolute 10,000 pound gorillas in the room when you talk about management consulting companies. And, you know, I understood that while I'd learned a lot of really valuable lessons, I was, you know, I was just a little infant in the world of what true process really meant. And so pretty quickly that team grew from one to today, you know, it's probably 18 months old, this business, We've got about 30 management consultants, most of which come from EY and Accenture and Deloitte and a lot of the large companies, all of which are coming out of the Philippines. And, you know, what we effectively did was we recreated that process improvement model with a real centralized focus on e-commerce. That's all we do. We build systems for e-commerce businesses. And so I didn't create a lot of the methodology, I've actually been privy to learning it, transferring that knowledge of what it is to work inside of Amazon and what it is to build an agency and taking that into a, you know, building systems and how we define systems internally. It's the combination of people, process and technology wrapped into one. A lot of people really rely on, you know, when they look at their systems, they rely on tech, you know, they'll just use a tool and, you know, I know how familiar you are with uh, with Amazon, you know, they'll they'll say, right, well, I've got Helium 10 that solves all my all my worldly problems around keyword research and you know understanding how to optimize my listing, etc. Where if you don't have the right people driving the right processes, leveraging that technology inside of a you know an effective system, then it all falls down because you can pay for Helium 10, but you know if you don't have the time to pick it up then who's doing it and what's the cadence? When are they doing it? Is it every week, every month, every year? You know, it, you have to build that system. I think the, um, you know, what you're just talking about really resonates with me. I have a funny story I'm going to share. And then I have a, a follow-up question. Um, I was recently at an event and um, uh a popular automation advertising automation software was there as well and i actually like the software it has nothing to do with the story so much um but as someone that's a service-based mark knowledge is a service-based agency not a software company um we're an amazon advertising agency partner and a lot of the the partners are software i think now it seems like they're almost letting everybody in but in the early the first beta was 60 60 companies we were one of two that was service based and I'm proud of that. It just means we have some humans that that know advertising and, and know strategy. And um, you know, it was it was an event. We I was a sponsor, the, the software is a sponsor. I'm outside, it's at the end of it, it's wrapping up. And a seller that's very successful, um, meaning he at least does a lot of volume. Right? I'm not sure about everything else. Um, 
came up to me and he was just kind of grilling me, honestly, kind of just like coming at me a little bit, like kind of feel like he was trying to trick me up. And I was just trying to be polite and complimentary and uh, navigate politically, you know, and uh, I'm, a, I'm a straight shooter. So polit politics can be a little complicated for me. They like, you know, it's contradicting sometimes. Um, but at the end of it, he's like, you know, man, like, you know, man, like, uh, you know, just what's the difference between uh, this software and you? And I just, I paused and I was just like, well, I'm a human. That's, that's the difference, <laughs> right? One's a software and one's a human. And uh, it was as simple as that. I think that um, at least right now, um, your, your, your software can only do as much as the human behind it that's operating it. It's a tool, you know, it's not, um, it's not an absolute. And I think that's what a lot of people forget. Um, sure, your software, you have Helium 10 in your pocket. Maybe it's doing 70% of what you need it to do. Uh, but that other 30% is going to come and you're going to get 100% out of Helium 10 and your value if you really have somebody there, uh, you know, checking in on those keywords and where they're ranking and doing the research and, and all the things that those things can do. So just a, a silly story to kind of, you know, talk about that human plus that AI mix. And you know, people say, well, what's your value add? Well, I'm not going head to head with it. I'm just telling you I'm a human and that's a software. And, um, you know, it's hard. It's hard to replace that. And before we go into our follow up question, um, shout out again to our sponsor for today's episode, Chat Desk. Asking the question, are you looking to reduce the number of phone calls and voicemails coming into your business and lower your customer support costs? We're talking about process. Our friends at ChatDesk enable you to shift your calls to messaging channels like Facebook Messenger. Schedule a demo and check out the discount they're offering to all Startup Hustle listeners by visiting the link in the show notes or hopping over to our partner page, startuphustle.com slash partners. Thanks for that, that short pause for our sponsor. I wouldn't be able to do these episodes and advertise them and really give people a lot of... Um, a lot of opportunity to discover our show without our sponsors. So you're talking about process, you're talking about automation, where do you do this and where do you do that? And how do you save your customer service team? How do you, how do you save your sales team time? How do you get more efficient? Um, it can be almost an overwhelming thing um, to even know where to start. And that's why I'm, I'm really excited to engage with you guys as, as a company that's been trying to do this on our own. Um, and you did, you talked about, um, working with my siblings and and my sisters are absolute um you know diamonds they're they're amazing they're brilliant um you know I, i'm glad no one really knows them and they have to be my sisters so no one can poach them uh, it's a fantastic thing uh, and then we're in a world that we're in but you know we we have a lot of things in common we're almost like twins in a lot of ways in the way we think and the way we do things and we we're just raised very close like that um and so we don't necessarily have that like just super ocd process oriented person in our team and i think that's okay but just like you arrived where you're like i'm trying to hire people smarter than me to come in and take what i know and then help us get to that next level um i think any leader that's really trying to lead a team uh, whether it's a team of of two or a team of 20 um you have to be looking ahead and saying okay how do i step out of this role and if i don't know how to do it who does you know and and um so, so back to you, Yoni, um, just talking about like when you started bringing that team and you went from one, um, you met her kind of by accident when you're looking for a project manager stuff. And it's like, oh, my God, we really need this. Um, and instead of you being like, I'm the one that has to lead this ship. Instead, you're like, these are all the ways that it plugs into an, to an agency or a service provider. Um, is an amazing thing and a, and a sign of your leadership, really, in regards to knowing when where your strengths are and, and where not. Um, 
so yeah, I'm super excited to, to, to engage and really understand like, you know, how those things can help us. And I think what maybe our listeners don't know, and I've just assumed is that, um, you know, I said it early on, but Marknology is very much looking into getting some help in our own processes and the way we're trying to scale our team. Uh, I think one thing different is we have a lot, a big part of our team is all in-house, which is very rare for an, an agency, especially an Amazon agency. They use a lot of VAs. We have very few. Um, so not thinking so much like we need to process orient because all our employees are VAs has kept us from getting more process oriented, I think. And it's taken us like longer to really see that as like a, a massive need. Um, but we've arrived nonetheless. Um, so you guys talked about being 18 months. Let's talk, let's talk more about that. That's a short, that's a short amount of time um, for the amount you guys have already accomplished. And, and I've already heard so much about you guys in the space. Um, how are you guys improving your business process now um even even now that you're helping others like what, what's that doing for you guys yeah I, I mean what it's doing for us it's it was it's actually been a really cool experience over the last uh it's a 20-week project that Ascala is performing right now inside of our uh inside of our staffing agency multiply me where they've effectively assessed and understood what's happening in our business we have a maturity framework where we effectively look at how systemized the business is against those three principles or core pillars that I outlined before. And now they've totally restructured our team where we have to hire about seven more people into our recruitment function. We've split roles. We've really dialed in focus and, you know, we're building a system to really enable the team to understand, you know, what does their growth trajectory look like and how, can they take steps to actually achieving it? So, I mean, I, I want to actually less about us and more about like, how does this actually apply to people at home? Because I think, you know, I can talk about this stuff all day and I am energized by it and it really makes me excited. But I think like as a baseline, just to understand. So, you know, you, you talked a little bit right now, Andrew, about the fact that, you know, everyone works or a lot of your team work in house and it's maybe been one of your inhibitors as to why you haven't invested to buy you know, to, to, you know, invest in process. And, you know, some of the things that people should consider is like, what is firstly, what does it mean by building a process? You know, when, when you build a process and you actually understand what's happening, you know, it, it's the first thing is it's going to enable you to free up key individuals times mm -hmm. from working on urgent tasks and putting them into the important tasks. So, you know, while you're fortunate that, you know, your sisters work in the business, not many people have that same luxury. So, I mean, from a risk mitigation perspective, you know, if you lose a key player in your team and you effectively don't know what the hell they're doing every day, then all of a sudden, you know, you're going to go into crisis mode trying to pick up the pieces and understand, well, you know, what the hell are they, what the hell were they doing yesterday? Where are we at in every aspect of the business? And, you know, you, you really leave yourself pretty open and susceptible to risk. So, you know, that's just a couple of things that, you know, that when we talk about the impacts of process, that's just a couple of things. But, um, you know, if you start to get deeper into it and you start to think through like, okay, well, great, I build a process, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mitigating risk, I'm, you know, I, I've got a, a little bit of control, you can really turn it into effective scales. So we leverage our uh, processes, our SOP standard operating procedures, training videos and documentation, they also double up as an onboarding plan. So rather than me, the founder jumping into the business and having to educate people every time they step in, it, it, it's a done for you system, you know, when we talk about a Scala, 
there's a literally a four week training course that's created inside of ClickUp as a tool. They go through this, you know, this gauntlet, and at the end of it, four weeks in, they're already effectively able to be deployed onto projects. So it's really, you know, I mean, I can, I can, like I said, I can talk about this for days, but I think just as a few key elements as to like what is it unlock, that's just the baseline, that's the starting point. You know, and something that I think <clears throat> I'm gonna take this a little into left field, but based off a comment you said about just like being lucky to have my sisters, one thousand percent. Um, but also I will say that my number one priority and concern is to, is to create a culture at Marknology where the people working here like the work here. Okay. And like doing what they're doing and everyone is in their passion. And you might call that like some fluffy stuff for business talk. But for me, I think people do the best work whenever they're happy and feeling fulfilled. And so whether it's my sisters, whether it's uh, the managers beneath them or whatever the case is, my priority is, okay, who's overworked? Who's doing stuff they don't want to be doing? Who would rather be in a different department? How do I get this work? Maybe that's not on my shoulders anymore off of you know, if it's too many calls, if it's too much report building, if it's too much uh, follow up, if it's too much triple checking, if it's too much communication, those are all issues that are my number one concern. Uh, and I feel like any leader that's trying to scale their business, um, first, maybe the priority is how do you get some of that off your plate? But then very soon after it's, okay, now how do we get it off the next person, off the next person, off the next person to where you have it where, um, you know, everyone's creating to the top of their ability. Uh, and I think quality of life, like anyone can bite the bullet and get in the dirt and, and carry an extra heavy load for a while, uh, but but only a matter of time, you know, and if you want to keep people in your agency in a time where people are getting poached left and right, and it's an F you pay me kind of world, I think you have to create a team that uh, isn't just about the money. There's something else that people want to be there for, uh, whether that's quality of life, whether that's team, whether that's leadership, whether that's environment, you know, I don't know. Uh, but we're still out here trying to figure that out. And for me, um, them picking up the pieces and handling all those day-to-day -day things and, and being overworked, for example, is my number one priority. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's such a huge component of, you know, building a great business is that, you know, having a recruitment business, retention is the number one thing or having a lack of retention is probably the biggest cost driver that's going to hit, you know, hit you smack in the face before you realize it. You know, I read a stat the other day that the, the cost to the true cost of business on a bad hire is 15 times or more their base salary due to, you know, wastage, time loss, and, you know, obviously the actual investment. So getting that right. And then once you get that right, retaining your talent is critical. So, you know, a, a big thing that we focus on, you know, once you move past the processes and you have a handle of the business is performance management, you know, is the team being seen? Are they being heard? You know, if I've got effectively an incredible asset and the humans that we're fortunate enough to work with every day, then the last thing you want to see is having them burn out. Or also, I'd say maybe not equally as damaging, but when you have great talent who don't sit in the right seat, mm -hmm. you know, there is just, you know, it's frustrating for them. The business could benefit a whole lot more and everyone could be a whole lot happier. So, yeah, you know, you've got, you've got a pretty... Uh, sizable team now and these are probably the issues you know as you're going through this journey and I know you, you know Marknology is seven years old so as you've grown through this journey that shifting landscape of the challenges that exist inside a business is constantly becoming 
more complex, but different. You know, you're not working maybe in the business at the level you were buying media or, you know, playing with EBC content, jumping on. Sometimes I wish I was. Sometimes I wish I was. But well, there's something, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. There's something special. You know, one of the things that frustrates me sitting in the role that I sit is that I'm also, you know, at heart a creative and I'm a builder and I like to create. And I think that there's nothing more pure than when you talk about like creating a design or a piece of content that you have sat and worked on and created, and it's actually been released into the world and out into the wild, like that physical sense of, you know, accomplishment while, you know, a business is a huge vehicle for that. I don't know. I just, I always feel like it's like cathartic or therapeutic to sit there. And, and again, I'm not a designer. I, you know, I was frustrated that the design team couldn't turn things around fast enough for really small changes. So think like a lot of suits back in the day and probably even today I taught myself Photoshop and, you know, I find myself playing, you know, I actually, I actually only learned how to use Photoshop so that I could take people's heads and put them on other buddies and do some funny shit. And I almost, I almost actually lost my job one time. I put um, all of the senior management's heads on the bodies of the Wiggles. Okay. The Wiggles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I posted it on our Facebook page. And let's just say that the, uh, the CEO wasn't happy about it. And uh, he said that was a, a one and done kind of situation. If it happens again, I'm out the door. So uh, I, learned, uh, I learned my Photoshop skills are pretty good, but uh, they weren't going to get me out of trouble. Uh, <laughs> they might actually have me out of a job. No, I, I, you, you, just you explaining kind of putting that piece out in the world. Like I really got started in branding and marketing by being in a band full time. I, I tried out for a band. I was in that band for four years. Um, and I remember putting music out into the world or releasing a new shirt design that I thought our fans might just love, you know, as much as I did and things like that. It was like a very beautiful thing, even if the dollar amount attached to it was small, very small at the time. Um, but I think it's like, you know, as I, I can be more frustrated as an entrepreneur, as I'm trying to evolve my skills um, to, okay, be process oriented or uh, speak when I used to be terrified of speaking because it's a great way to promote the business or um, I'm working on just areas like maybe writing content. I don't like writing content. I don't mind talking. Writing content's miserable for me at times. Um, and then uh, you know, you'll come out, kind of come out of those phases maybe where you're like creating that process and you get back in the creative, you know, and you're like, okay, I feel inspired again. And that's what this podcast is for me is getting to talk to people and hear about their stories that inspire me again. Um, getting outside the weeds of just looking at my own business over and over and over and over again is kind of, kind of seeing how other people um, have approached that. As we're rounding out, I have two more things I wanted to ask. We, we, we switched directions when I was talking about you guys implementing it kind of into your own business. But I think that you can be the best advocate uh, of something you're using yourself, um, even if you're the creator. And, you know, one thing I think that is hidden in here outside of speeding up onboarding, outside of like having employees that understand what their job is and feeling more fulfilled, knowing that they know exactly what to do because they have process in front of them or the training is solid or all these other things that go into um, the benefits of process and, you know, having those in place is on the owner. Um, you know, that peace of mind, knowing you have KPIs that you're tracking, knowing that your business is getting better and improving. For me, I sleep easy at night, knowing I did something to to push my, 
my business forward and my team forward. Um, and when I'm just spinning my wheels and we're not getting better and I don't have KPIs and I don't know how to track uh, employee profitability or who's doing well and who's not and who's overworked and I don't know the photography cue and I don't have all these processes in place. It's, it's an absolute, it's just filling up my headspace that I could be doing so many more things and better things and creating more. Um, so I kind of wanted just your own words, uh, just like as you're spending, I think you said 36 weeks or something like that, you know, into your other business and really understanding process, like that peace of mind, like how, how important is that? How impactful is that right now? As you understand, like, Oh my God, we're getting so much better. Yeah, I would say like, you know, and we, I don't even think we had this conversation. So you're really, you're really striking a chord for me uh, right now. It was probably, you know, we've been around for about two years. We've got close to 200 people on payroll today. And we, in that moment, going through this 20-week project, you know, I was sitting on the receiving end of a, a really f much further advanced delivery mechanic of what that initial really raw service offering was 18 months ago. Scala started about six months after Multiply Me. And to understand now that what we built in Multiply Me was a staffing solution to find the best talent in the Philippines to create a business like Scala that allowed us to have all these incredible management consultants to then have that management consulting practice build the next level of what multiply me looks like as an evolved service offering. It became this like self-fulfilling prophecy. And I just remember getting off the, the hour long presentation of like all the recommendations and the findings after they'd spent so much time assessing and doing, you know, industry best practice research as to, you know, how do you build the best staffing agency and how do you, you know, how do you structure the team to create a, you know, constant flow of, uh, of candidates and how do you actually build this for for real scale i mean we were built for some level of scale now we're really talking you know uh now we're starting to play with the big boys here in terms of what that looks like in terms of effectiveness and efficiency so you know it was it, it was it was like everything that i'd ever hoped for it to be it had superseded or it had surpassed that and yeah, to know that, yeah to know that like I was just sitting there sort of shocked saying, I can't believe this is the, this is the value that we create for other businesses. And, you know, I'd say like, I'd put us like, you know, the classic, the, the plumber always has the leaky faucet in his house. You know, we hadn't invested the same level in what we do internally as we did for clients because clients always come first. And, you know, we took that, we took that opportunity and now we'll do this every three to six months. No question. We'll just keep topping it up because, it's going to fundamentally change the way in which we operate. And so, you know, bringing it all back. Um, yeah, it just, I'm now the biggest advocator of our solution. And it's not because I'm trying to sell it. It's because I believe so wholeheartedly in what it's going to mean for us as a business that it's hard not to, to be excited talking about it. So yeah, amazing. That's what I was trying to get out of you. Honestly, that's what I was trying to get out of you. And I think, um, anyone can tell. And I know that for me, uh, having a plan is everything. The worst things in the world could be happening to my business or, you know, my personal life, or whatever's going on. And, and what makes me feel better is, is in that chaos or whatever that might be, that problem, that issue is once I've got a plan in place, regardless of the, of what's happening presently, I feel empowered and I feel like me and my team can take on anything. Um, and I think that that's what Scala can do is, is give people that roadmap and that plan that can create some 
confidence that, hey, I didn't know where I was going in the next two years, but now I've got a plan. I'm going to try to put this into place and, and really execute. And that can be the confidence that I think a lot of entrepreneurs and young founders are looking for. Absolutely. And there's a quote. Uh, I don't know that we're using it on our our presentation decks anymore, but there was a quote for, for many months that we were using, and it's one of my favorites. And the quote is, if I had six hours to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening my axe. And Abe Lincoln actually said it. And, you know, what it means to me is that, you know, you know, again, I'll throw another one in fail to plan, plan to fail, you know, everything in life and in business success comes down to the details around the planning and what that looks like. So, you know, invest the time up front, build the plan, execute on it. And yeah, you might deviate, you know, for most startups, they don't look like what they thought the, what the founder thought they would look like from day one. But if you have a real plan in place, then the deviation or that swing is going to be much more limited. And as a result, you create real clarity and focus and, you know, a clear directive of where you're heading. So I'm with you, mate. There is no, I wouldn't get into business without putting a proper plan together. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at, you know, what's the next two weeks like look like I'm looking at what is the next 12, you know, let's say 12 months, because realistically at the start of a business, I mean, I couldn't tell you what five years out looks like. And, mm -hmm. you know, maybe I just haven't had that experience and I don't have that level of vision, but I would say that things change rapidly early on in a startup. And, you know, you have to be able to to roll with the punches and, and figure out and adapt until you can move into a scale-up, you know, a, a scale-up stage. And, you know, I feel like we're finally hitting that 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 stage right now. I love that. And I love to hear that. Um, Yoni, I wish we could talk all day. I know you're already into the wee hours of the morning. Um, <clears throat> but like, you know, so many of us founders, uh, even like 100 year old businesses, honestly, like I, I work with all kinds of businesses of all ages, and it has nothing really to do with that. But so many of us, um, you know, we know to do better, like we know what we should be doing a lot of times, some of us don't, some of us do. And yet we're still just like executing without our us, ourselves or our team knowing exactly where we're trying to get to. And I think that um, if you don't know exactly what to do, maybe that's when you go to therapy, or that's when you go to business therapy, or you go get that extra help, you get someone that's a little bit smarter than you in this area. Um, and you bring them in, I, I absolutely am falling in love with process. And um, I'm definitely obsessed with learning how to implement it and, and how to do better. Um, I could talk about it all day, Yoni, I know it's late. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap it up. And I'll have to bring you back, uh, maybe in a few months after I've put some of this stuff into place, and we can kind of talk about, I can be the advocate then talking about how it's, uh, it's really impacted our business and share some of that. Um, before we go, guys, one more time, thanks again to our sponsor for today's episode, Chatdesk. They help you reduce the number of phone calls coming into your business by over 10%, shifting calls to Facebook Messenger and other channels. You can get started in just a few minutes, and the service is free for a limited time. Check out that demo, uh, chatdesk.com. Uh, that's chatdesk.com. Uh, please check them out. There's so many ways you can help if you're overwhelmed with emails or, or calls. Um, see how much of that you can get automated and get some of those easy answers filtered out with Chatdesk. It's, it's sponsors like Chatdesk that help us keep this show going. Yoni, um, I'm super excited. Uh, you've already done so many things in your career. I'm super excited to stay connected. I think we have a call even next week with, with the rest of my team. So um, really looking forward to next steps. And thanks again for your time tonight. It's been fantastic. 
Hey, thanks for having me. And like I said, I hope uh, I hope your listeners get some value out of it. And I hope to see you. I'm going to be coming over to New York uh, in a couple of weeks and okay. uh, going to a couple of events, AMZ Innovate and uh, the Pow Wow in Miami. So okay. if you're there, buddy, I would love to see you. I'll be at the Pow Wow for sure. So I will see you there. Um and and to anyone that to anyone that's listening to the episode, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're on your your commute to work. Um, if you get on Spotify, when, whenever we publish this episode, all of the links are are in the bottom to contacting Yoni um, or getting in touch with him. So we'll have all of that there. Um, it's been great having you. Thanks for thanks, listeners, for for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.